I'm now going to read James 2, 1 to 13. My brothers, as believers in our, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, don't show favoritism. Suppose a man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes, and a poor man in shabby clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you, but to say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my dear brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? But you have insulted the poor. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? Are they, they not the ones who are dragging you into court? Are they not the ones who are slandering the noble name of him to whom you belong? If you really keep the royal law found in the scripture, love your neighbour as yourself, you are doing right. But if you show favouritism, your sin, uh, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, then you have become a lawbreaker. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom, because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. I'm just going to pray for Andy before he comes and opens God's word to us. Lord, we thank you for your word. Thank you um, that it is um, so true and accurate, Lord, and, and it can be proven, Lord. Um, it is a, a historical document, but also, Lord, it guides us and uh, and just shows us who you are, Lord. And Lord, we just pray um, tonight, uh, this evening, as Andy comes and, and opens that word to us, Lord, that you will just speak through him, Lord, by your Holy Spirit, Lord. You will just anoint his lips, Lord, so that um, uh, the truth of this word that James wrote um, many years ago, Lord, will come out, Lord, and just speak directly to our hearts. We just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Gray. Well, it's uh, great to be together tonight and uh, continuing our series um, through the book of James. And uh, if you've missed any, do go back and, uh, and watch those uh, earlier sessions. It's a, it's, a, it's a fascinating book, isn't it, to be reading? And tonight's theme is, uh, well, it's, it's a captivating theme. People will talk about it um, for hours till the cows come home. Um, I was just uh, reading about someone called um, Anna Sorokin. Um, uh, she was uh, she gave herself the name Anna Delvey. And uh, in um, in 2013, she created for herself a fictitious identity and arrived in New York and claimed to be an heiress um, with enormous wealth and uh, managed to borrow money from people and got sucked into the highest kind of circles of the richest people who wanted to be beside this apparently even richer person. And eventually it all just turned out to be completely empty. Uh, it was all fake, it was all pretend. And she just, she just played the game and convinced people that she was wealthy and had got into all these circles because people wanted to impress this apparently wealthy person. 
And then there's other stories which are complete opposite. You can think of kind of fairy stories of, of characters who go undercover or even, you know, our own royal family. There's the stories of people uh, of moments where they've kind of slipped into the crowds and uh, and just become an anonymous person like you or me. And yet they own, you know, all of these palaces and uh, um, extreme wealth um, in as they are uh, in that role and yet they're kind of walking among us as though they're just an ordinary Joe on the street and uh, it's interesting isn't it how um, those stories of of wealth and poverty and and uh, kind of pretending to be something that someone isn't um, they kind of capture capture us I, I wonder why our society does really rate people doesn't it as far as the wealth that they have and uh, people are rated by the kind of car they drive or the uh, the size of the place they stay or, or the the things that they wear and uh, we're people are making assessments as to uh, as to their value and so people will try in our culture to give the impression that they're far wealthier than they are or the other way around because they just want to uh, well, just um, really manipulate things in the way that they feel is going to be to their advantage. And this isn't a new thing. And here we are in James chapter two, verses one to 13. And uh, we have this quite painful um, passage, really, um, as it describes that there's been discrimination going on and that somebody has arrived and, and they apparently are quite poor and they're treated in one way. And then somebody else has walked into the same event, the same worship meeting, and uh, they appear wealthy and they've been treated differently. And it's not surprising that the Holy Spirit, through what James is writing, wants to challenge um, these believers. And he gives us three reasons as to why we should not discriminate and uh, they they just come in each paragraph so let's just read it again together and think about it so um the first reason is in verses one to verse four and the reason number one is this if you look in verse one we're described as brothers and sisters and we're described as believers in our glorious lord jesus christ our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. James isn't accidentally putting these words to describe Jesus here. So the first word he's chosen is that he is the glorious Lord. He's the one who is the highest, the name above all names, the, the king of kings, the glorious one. The second word he's using is Lord. Again, he is the name above all names. Jesus, the one who saves Christ, the anointed king. He is the one who is above all. And we could read all kinds of scriptures tonight that describe him. We could go from Psalm 2, where he's described as the anointed king, waiting for his enemies to be made a footstool for his feet. Or we could read Colossians chapter 1, that speak about everything being made through him, how he holds everything together, and how everything is made for his glory. We could turn to the end of the scriptures in Revelation and see people from every tribe and language and people and nation bowing down in worship to him he is the glorious lord jesus christ and we belong to him and we believe in him but in verse four there's the word judge 
If we believe in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, then we believe that he is the judge. He is the one that we want to live our lives before. And that means there could be no other judge. So if we believe in the Lord, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ as the judge, then we have given up our right to judge other people. And the scriptures are really clear on this, that we're not to judge others. And so the first reason that we don't judge rich or poor is because we belong to our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And we have decided that we're not going to hold on to any right of being a judge anymore because we see who the real judge is. We see who everyone is going to be before at the end of time. And so we lay down any notions of being a judge ourselves and we acknowledge that he is judge. So if we belong to the, our Lord our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, then we're not going to judge. We're not going to discriminate. We're not going to show favoritism because he's the judge. That's reason number one. And James paints this scenario in verse two. A man comes into your meeting wearing a gold ring and fine clothes. And a poor man in filthy old clothes also comes in. If you show special attention to the man wearing fine clothes and say, here's a good seat for you. But you say to the poor man, you stand there or sit on the floor by my feet. Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? It's great that we've got uh, Dave Saltiel and the team welcoming people into 181. And uh, I can see that actually everyone just gets a seat. It might be two chairs away from the next, um, but we just kind of get put in there in order. So um, what could this mean for us? Well, it's true, isn't it, that whilst we arrange the seating fairly um, um, or, um, democratically in the, uh, in the church building, there are ways in which we judge other people and this passage is saying to us look it's wrong to judge people by the amount of wealth that you think that they might have to treat somebody with more honor because they appear more wealthy to give them more time of conversation or to exclude somebody because you think that they you might not get so much out of a relationship with them all of that is is favoritism discriminatory and it is judgment and if we belong to jesus the glorious lord jesus christ who is the judge then we mustn't be letting any of that in our hearts and in fact james in verse four he doesn't put any punches he said that such thinking such approach to people well those those are evil evil thoughts and we don't want to have anything to do with them so the first reason that we don't discriminate is because there is another judge and it's our Lord Jesus Christ, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Then the second reason is uh, in verses five to seven. And the reason is this, that God has chosen the poor. You might want to do an exercise like going through, say, Luke's gospel. And uh, exploring through that gospel, the themes of wealth and poverty. 
It's very interesting to see how Luke is sensitive to this and sees how Jesus relates to the poor. We've been reading the Beatitudes together. We've been reading Blessed are the Poor in Spirit, as Matthew um, records. Luke records Blessed are the Poor. And here, well, James underlines it. Listen, this is verse five. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. We were brothers and sisters in verse one. Now we're dear brothers and sisters. Listen, my dear brothers and sisters. Has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and to inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? So here, James is saying the second reason that we don't discriminate between those who are wealthy or, or not wealthy is because actually God has chosen the poor. Now you might remember that there are some wealthy people who Jesus um, chose, like Joseph of Arimathea. Um, it was his tomb that received the body of Jesus. But if you read through the Gospels, you'll find that it's often the poor, those with a low status, those who have a, perhaps they have an awareness of their own need for a rescue an awareness of their own need for one greater than them to come and intervene. And somehow they seem to be more open. It's interesting that Zacchaeus, of course, was a rich man, wasn't he? But as he meets Jesus, he becomes much poorer very quickly because he gives up his wealth because he has he's met Jesus. God has chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith. I once stood in a stadium. Um, it was a stadium in Novi Sad in North Serbia. And there was the war going on and refugees were flooding over the border. And these two twins, Dario and Mario, they'd become, well, they were beginning to become friends. They were teenagers and uh, they'd lost everything. They'd been quite wealthy before living in the town of Sarajevo, but because of their ethnicity, they had been kicked out and they'd fled across the border to the place where we were now with an Oakhall coach and a team of us um, sharing aid. But Dario, he, he's now a songwriter, writes beautiful songs about his faith in Jesus Christ. And at the time, he had just turned to follow Jesus. And in front of all these hundreds of people, he took this microphone and he looked at everybody, this young man, but with a, a maturity beyond his years, partly because of the suffering he'd been through. And he spoke to the crowd and he said, you know, I'm not sorry now for the things that I've lost. You see, he'd become poor. I'm not sorry now for the things I've lost because in Jesus, I've found everything. It was such a simple, short, powerful testimony. But that was his story. He'd become poor, but in his poverty, he'd found his need for the one who is greater than him. And he had found wealth and riches in Jesus. 
And here in verse five, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith? Perhaps some of us tonight, we're struggling financially and there's things not going quite right as we'd want them to with this whole COVID situation. But we are aware that we have riches, riches that can't be measured. And we have an inheritance. You see that? An inheritance that is promised, you see in verse five, to those who love him, who love God. So we don't want to discriminate against the poor or discriminate according to how much wealth or poverty somebody might have, because God has chosen the poor. And then suddenly in verse six, we get this challenge. James is saying the Holy Spirit is saying through James, you have dishonored the poor. This is a rebuke to the church. And then he says three things about the rich. And it's an insight into that moment of history in the first century as the church struggled with extreme persecution. People were losing their lives, being dragged off into court, were losing um, their um, possessions. And he says three things about the rich. Is it not the rich who are exploiting you? It's the first thing. The reason they're rich is because they've been exploiting them. The second thing, are they then not the ones who are dragging you into court? You could think even Paul, when he was still called Saul, was a man with status and wealth. And he, well, he modeled that kind of persecution against the church to begin with, dragging um, people into the church, uh, into court and um, destroying the church as he went from house to house. So they're exploiting the church. They are dragging these believers into court, trying to um, make them um, still poorer. And thirdly, they are blaspheming. So this is the character of the rich in that moment of history. And perhaps there is elements of that kind of arrogance in our culture, too. And here in the church, we've got to pray that we don't allow that kind of um that kind of behavior to come in. But why would the church then be valuing the rich above the poor, James is saying, when it's the rich who are exploiting you, they're dragging you into court and they are blaspheming. And in verse seven, there's a beautiful phrase and uh, it says this, they are blaspheming the noble name of him to whom you belong. It's, it's a beautiful phrase, isn't it? These people who are reading this letter, they might not have status, they might not have wealth, they might not have an inheritance that could be measured in gold or, um, or in property, but they belong to the one who has the most noble name. They belong to Jesus. And maybe tonight we need to reset our identity, not to be those who say, well, I, my identity depends on what I've got in the bank or the, uh, the place that I live in or my future projections of my value in money terms. No, our value comes simply from this. 
that we belong to the one who is the one who is known as the noble name. We belong to the noble one, Jesus Christ, the most noble, our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. And then there's one more reason here in this passage why we shouldn't discriminate. The first is because Jesus is the judge. We don't want to be the judge. The second is that God has chosen the poor. So let's turn our way of measuring things up the other way. And the third, well, is because we want to keep the royal law. Let's read this last section. Verse eight. If you really keep the royal law found in scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Verse nine. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as lawbreakers. You might have heard the phrase, the, the royal law. Well, this is where that phrase comes from. It comes from James' letter. And it's this principle that you might think, oh, Jesus said this, didn't he? And he did. Love your neighbor as yourself. But reaching right back into the Old Testament, this is what God calls us to do. To be those who think, well, how would I want to be treated? Well, then that's how I should treat this person in front of me. And of course, in this context, that means that we don't want to be showing favoritism because we wouldn't want others to show favoritism or discriminate against us because of our wealth or our poverty. And so we also shouldn't show favoritism and therefore break the royal law of loving our neighbor as ourselves. And then verses 10 and 11 just take this deeper and they say, well, look, here is the whole of the law. If you break just one corner of it, you're a lawbreaker. So if you do one thing right or a hundred things right, but one thing wrong, well, you're still a lawbreaker. And you might say, well, look, I don't murder. I don't do this. I don't do that. But if you discriminate against the poor, James is saying, well, you're breaking the whole of the law because you are breaking this part of the law. So many things are tangible, aren't they, about what is right and what is wrong. Adultery, murder, lying, stealing. But here, this category of showing favoritism or judging according to the wealth or status of a person, well, that is put onto the same level as those things. Because this, if we behave in that way, we're also breaking the law, making us law breakers. And the passage closes in verses 12 and 13, summarizing really. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Mercy triumphs over judgment. It's as though James is kind of opening the perspective out again. We've been talking about this 
this problem in the church of discrimination as people discriminate according to wealth. And James has given three reasons. He said, look, Jesus is the judge, not you. Let's not judge our glorious Lord Jesus Christ. He's the judge. We've, he said, look, God has chosen the poor. What are you doing? Rejecting the poor. That's upside down thinking. God has chosen the poor. And thirdly, he said, look, you want to keep the royal law. You want to be a lawbreaker. You don't want to discriminate because that would then be breaking the law. And now he opens it out again. And he's he's talking now and hinting now about the message that has changed our lives. And on this call, there's a lot of us whose lives have been changed by this principle. Mercy triumphs over judgment. In fact, even reading through this passage tonight, you might be thinking below, you know, I can see where I've gone wrong. I can see that I've been allowing this kind of discrimination into my life. What hope is there? Well, you know, you're in a conversation here tonight with a whole crowd of people who are all aware that we've all broken the law. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. We all deserve judgment. But this last phrase, mercy triumphs over judgment. Well, some of us would say, in fact, many of us tonight would say, well, that's my story. You see, I deserve judgment because of the way that I fail to keep the law, to live in the way that God would want me to. But I've received God's mercy. And you might say, well, how have you received God's mercy? Well, it's because the one who was rich, he gave up his riches and became poor. He was he was counted among the criminals. He was nailed to a cross, seen as the lowest of the low. Taking the wrongness that was mine, taking my failure as though he was the one who'd failed so that I could receive his rightness, his righteousness, his goodness, even though I didn't deserve it. It's because he is merciful. It's because he's gracious. It's because he gives his favor to those who don't even deserve it. You see, mercy triumphs over judgment. There's a beautiful, fra there's a beautiful phrase in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 it talks of riches and poverty and it breaks it right out open again to the big story of our lives 2 corinthians chapter 8 verse 9 let me read it to you for you know the grace of our lord jesus christ that though he was rich yet for your sake he became poor so that you through his poverty might become rich and tonight we are so thankful to god that the one who was rich the lord jesus he became poor so that through his being poor his poverty we could become rich we could come into the relationship with god we could come into the connection with the one we long to know the one we don't deserve to know, yet the one we can know, because Jesus, well, he took our wrongness for us. So tonight, I think there's a number of challenges for us, you know, as we have, go into our breakout rooms in a few minutes time after Graham closes for us. 
we want to ask ourselves, are we discriminating against those who are poor? Are we seeking favour with those who appear to be wealthy? Are we trying to present ourselves as something that we aren't? Well, this passage has challenged us three times. We've been reminded that Jesus is the judge. Our glorious Lord Jesus Christ is the judge. We're going to leave the judging to him. Let's ask him to help us to, to trust the judging to him, that we wouldn't become those with evil thoughts in our hearts because we're seeking to be the judge instead. Second, we want to be reminding each other that God has chosen the poor and actually we're the poor. We're the ones who needed the rescue. So we don't want to discriminate against those who are materially poor. And thirdly, we don't want to be those who are lawbreakers. We want to be those who observe the royal law of loving our neighbour as ourselves and not letting discrimination creep in to our behaviour. So let's ask the Holy Spirit to show us if we need to be challenged on these points. But let's also allow the Holy Spirit to remind us of our poverty, of Jesus's riches and how he has given us his riches. He's become poor that we might become rich. You know, it might be that there might be one or two of us or even more than that who are tuning in tonight, who are thinking over these things, who have never actually responded to the love, to the life that Jesus wants to give. This, tonight, the, this evening's been very specific passage about discrimination against the poor and the danger and the ugliness of that. But actually, at the heart of it, behind it all, is this big message that there is one who shows mercy to the one who actually should deserve that judgment. And that's you tonight. That's me. We deserve judgment, but because of Jesus, well, we can receive mercy and grace instead. And perhaps tonight, some of us want to say for the first time, Jesus, I'm sorry for the way that I have, well, that a way that I have lived for myself. And please forgive me. Please be my king. And on the basis of your death and resurrection, I believe you died for me so that I could be forgiven for this ugliness in my life. And I ask now that you would be the one who lives in me, who's the, the king of my life. Well, I'm going to pray and then I hand back to Graham. We're going to have the chance to chat in our breakout rooms more about these themes. And perhaps as we go for walks through the week, we'll keep on thinking about these things too. Perhaps as we just meditate on, these, on this chapter more this evening, um, the Lord Jesus will be lovingly putting his finger on different things in our lives. But let's pray uh, before we hand back to, to Graham. Lord Jesus, thank you that you are the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. You're the one who is the judge. We pray that we wouldn't be those who try to usurp your authority. Lord, let us not have those evil thoughts where we judge but rather let us trust you, the glorious Lord Jesus Christ, to be the judge. Lord, thank you that you have chosen those who are poor in the eyes of this world. Lord, we pray that we would be humble and aware of our low position, our need of rescue. 
so that we're reliant on your riches. Lord, we pray we'd be those who keep the royal law. Lord, we pray that we would be those who weren't lawbreakers. But we thank you for this message that encapsulates it all, that mercy triumphs over judgment. And perhaps tonight, some of us for the first time might want to say, we need your mercy. We deserve judgment, but we come to you asking for your mercy. And Jesus, you died for me. You died for us. You died in my place so that I could be forgiven. And tonight I want to say, Jesus, please have mercy on me, a sinner, that I could be forgiven. You died so that I could receive life. I trust you. I want to live for your glory now. Lord, wherever each of us are tonight, we thank you that you are with us by your Holy Spirit, that you love us, that you want to draw us close to you through this week. Thank you that this isn't just another week, but it's a week where we're walking with you, where you want us to know the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives and your personal deep love and touch on our lives as we head into the week ahead. So we entrust each other into your loving and powerful hands and we worship you, the noble name, the one who is the glorious Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.